0: Don't you love that song? The resurrected King is resurrecting me. Hey, how many of you have experienced the power, the resurrection power of Christ? Let's give it up for the Lord one more time. Man, He is so good to us. Well, then Good to see you. Welcome, everyone. My name is Omar, and I serve as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And this year, we started a journey through the Gospel of Mark. We're still in chapter one. And we are in a a series called Kingdom Come, and we've been looking at what is this coming kingdom that God has promised His children, where His will, dominion, where everything will be made new. What is this coming kingdom? And so today we're going to be looking at how to enter into that kingdom. And so I've been really looking forward to diving into God's Word, and I hope you are too. And. uh, so open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. And by the, by the way, I want to welcome all of our campus joining, especially that they campus. That's a one-year anniversary. So let's give it up for them. Hey, thank you so much, man. We love you, and we are proud of what you are doing in that community. Well, again, open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, and uh, you can just follow along as I read, all right? Let's do what God's Word says. Says this now. After John was arrested, John the Baptist, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. So therefore, what repent and believe in the gospel, right? Two very important things repent and believe. That is God's word. You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. You know, I think we're all familiar uh, with the concept of upgrading our cell phones. And so after four years, I knew that it was time for Ashley's phone to be upgraded. And family, I wish I could tell you that this process was an easy one, but it was actually very, very difficult. You know, it turns out that after we ordered the phone, we received it and we realized this is not the phone that she wanted. So we put it back in the mail. And first of all, it took a month, yeah, a month to get back to this company. So they received it. And even though they had received it, we got confirmation that they received it. It did not mark as returned in their system. And so we got first in a two-hour conversation with them, couldn't resolve it, got in another two-hour conversation. And then finally, after four hours of talking to them, they finally marked it as returned. And they sent us the new phone. And so when we got the new phone, Ashley opened the phone. She was all excited, so I got it. And I went onto the website to activate this new phone. And so I put in the password, but for whatever reason, it did not let me into that website. So then I got on the phone, and after an hour-long conversation, they finally figured why I could not get into that website. And it's because now they have a two-step verification process. How many of you have, are familiar, right, with our cell phones, a two-step verification process? Yeah. You see, for many years, getting into a website only required something very simple, right? Your simple password. But through time, what's taking place is that many people have entered websites without the right credentials. And so what companies have done is created this two-step verification process where you have to go through it in order to get into whatever website. So the first step, right, is, I, you know, so once I got it, the first step, I went and put in my password. And then I got a text, like many of you have experienced this at home, right? I got a, This is the actual text that I got from them that I had to get the, 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 the code put it in there, and then once I was able to enter the second step of the process, then I was entered, and then I entered into the website, I was able to activate her phone, and today she's loving her phone and, and everything is going great. But folks, listen, do not miss the point of this whole story. Because the only way that I was able to gain access into that website was not through a one-step process, but rather I had to go through this two-step process And only if I went through that process, through those two steps, only then I was able to enter into that website. Now, family, let me just bring all that little story over to our time together. Because, folks, what an image of what it takes to get into the kingdom of God. And by that, I mean that just like I had to go through a two-step process, right, to enter into that website... Listen, just like that, and here's the big idea for today, in order to enter into the kingdom of God, Jesus outlines listen, a two-step process that everyone must go through in order to enter into God's kingdom. Now, you may be out there right now thinking, Omar, what in the world are you talking about? You know, I've never heard of a two-step process to enter into the kingdom of God. And so, Omar, what is that process? Because I want to be sure that I know that I've gone myself through that two-step process. Well, what is that? Well, we're going to find out from Mark chapter 1, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. You can also open up your apps and you can follow along there. You can write in notes, write in, um, fill in the blanks. You can save it. Terrific app. Make sure you download it. But today I have three thoughts for you on the process of entering into the kingdom of God. You ready? Write this down as point number one. To enter into the kingdom of God, the first step is what? Repentance. Repentance. Now, let's go to the passage for today. It says this, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So therefore what? What's the next word? Repent. Come on, you can do it a little louder. Repent. 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 Now stop right there for just a moment, slip into the scene. Because the Lord here had just been, finished, been baptized And also by John the Baptist. And then he went through 40 days in the wilderness being tempted by Satan. We covered that last week. And here in this particular passage, we see this is the first moment that Jesus steps into public ministry and begins his formal ministry here on earth. And like we shared several weeks ago with with you, it's interesting that the first thing that Christ talks about when he steps into the scene is not about the love of God. It's not about the holiness of God. He doesn't talk about the grace and the mercy of God. Listen, all those things are important, right? But the first thing he talks about in the Gospel of Mark is this whole concept of the kingdom of God, right? This future kingdom that God has promises where he will remake all things new and we will spend eternity with him. And so we see that right off the bat, folks, he is urging people, make sure you enter into God's kingdom. And notice the first thing that he mentions as to how to enter that kingdom is what? Is repentance. See, folks, repentance is not a small thing in the mind of our Lord. In fact, it's it's a very important part. You know, in fact, it's such a critical part in entering God's kingdom that there was a moment in the life of our Lord while he was here on earth, that a tower fell on a bunch of people. Many people died. And so they came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, did these people die in that accident because they had not repented? And and, and at that moment, Jesus took the opportunity to help them understand that we all need repentance in our life. In fact, listen to what he said in Luke chapter 13, verse 3. He said this. He says, no, I tell you. But unless you, what, you repent, you will all likewise perish. In other words, if you don't come to a point in your life, listen carefully, where you repent, listen, not only will you not enter into the kingdom of God, but you will perish away from the presence of the Lord forever. So family, what is repentance? Repentance. Because I think repentance is something that many people have heard of. We're familiar with that term. But a few of us may know truly what repentance is. So let's talk about first what repentance is not. So write this down as letter A. First of all, repentance is not feeling sorry for the consequences of actions. It's not feeling sorry for the consequences of actions. You know, the, the biggest misconception that I see people have when it comes to the whole concept of repentance is that they think repentance is that bad feeling you get when you do something and you don't like the consequences. But folks, listen, that is not repentance. That is actually what we call remorse. You know, remorse is those feelings we have, we experience when we do something And the consequences that take place are not what we wanted or what we expected. So, for example, let's say someone ends up cheating on their spouse. And after a while, things come to light, and they start seeing the impact on how the effects on their spouse. Uh, They start seeing how it's affecting their children. They start seeing how it's changing the family dynamic. Folks, the moment that all things come to light and he's, that, that person's trying to process everything, I'm sure they're experiencing remorse, right? Because they're seeing what took place and they don't like it they're, They feel bad about what's taking place. But here's what I want us to understand today. Remorse, listen carefully, remorse does nothing for a person in order to get them into the kingdom of God. Now think about this. Because someone could have remorse for their actions, but want nothing to do with God. There's many people in this world that are remorseful about things that they've done, but they want nothing to do with Christ. And so remorse is a feeling we have but it does nothing to get us into the kingdom of God. Why? Because the, the, the step is what? Repentance. So, folks, what is repentance? Ready? Write this down as letter B. Repentance is changing your mind about sin. It's changing your mind about sin. Now, if you have your Bibles open or your apps, to, mark the word repentance there. Because the word repentance there in the original Greek text is, you know, we always like to remind you that the Bible was first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. Well, the word there for repentance is a compound word. The first part of that word is the prefix meta in the Greek, which indicates a change, which is, for example, we get the word metamorphosis from that word meta. And then the second portion of it is noeo, which means the thoughts or the mind. So so what the word repentance means, simply it means to change one's mind. So here's what the Lord is saying. He's saying, listen, there has to come, if you want to get into the kingdom of God, there has to come a point where you change your mind about sin. See, you no longer see sin as something good and acceptable. But now when you see sin, you've changed your mind, and it's something that now you recognize what an evil it is before God. You see sin, and before you thought nothing was wrong, but now there's sorrow for what you've done. And there's something in you that wants to leave that sin behind. You see, there's a change of mind. In fact, let me just give you a quick visual so he can kind of help you know understand a little bit of of how this works, right? So on one side we have Jesus, right? And the other side is what we call sin. See, people before Christ, when they are just living a normal life in this world, when they look at sin, to them there's nothing wrong with sin. It's perfectly fine. But what scripture calls sin, in their mind, in the world's view, there's nothing wrong with those actions. So, But, but what happens is that when someone experiences repentance When they look at that action, when they look at that emotion, whatever the case may be, they change their mind about that specific thing. So for example, when someone approaches something like lust, you know, before it was perfectly fine to have lust, it was perfectly fine, but now you see lust and it's a sin. You know, before pornography is perfectly fine, but now pornography is not perfectly fine. Before, this honoring parents was acceptable, but now this honoring parents is not right. You know, before your greed and keeping your money was good, but now you see it's greed is not what, what honors God. And so, and so whatever the case may be, vanity, what, gossip, whatever the case may be, before, before you will look at that action, you will look at that and think it's perfectly fine. But there's a moment that the moment you change your mind The Bible says that the moment you change your mind, it's almost like you turn away from that sin. See, Acts chapter 26 says this that they should repent and they should turn to God. You see how that works? They should turn to God. And so there's something happens in your life that just kind of clicks for you. In fact, let me just give you a quick illustration of how of how it works. You know, I think we've all been in those moments where we've gone on vacation to a new city, new town, new country, whatever. And you're exploring, you're hanging out, you're walking around, and you're walking down a road thinking that you're going the right way, right? So you're walking with your friends, family, and you're walking down that road, but I think you've all experienced those moments where you're walking down a road, and you realize, wait a second, no, 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 this is not where we're supposed to go. No, no, it's that way. And so, hey, guys, come on, we're going the wrong way. Come on, let's turn around, and we walk the other way. You know, you've all experienced those moments, right, where you're walking down a road, and something just had clicks. It's almost like a light turns on. You thought you were going the wrong way. Now you realize the wrong way, and you turn, and you go the other way. Same thing with sin, with repentance, right? You're living your life before Christ. Everything seemed to be fine, but there's a moment where something clicks, and you realize that everything you thought was right was actually evil before God and you turn and you change your mind. Now, folks, it's interesting that when you look at this word, at this word repentance there, Jesus uses it in, in, the, in, in, in the original text in a present active. Right. Meaning that it's an action that someone does, or takes, but then it's continued and it's sustained. So as a present active. Meaning what? Well, meaning that when we go back to this whole concept of repentance, right, it's almost like Jesus here is alluding to the fact that when you repent, right, you change your mind. Now you sustain that mindset. You, you continue that mindset the rest of your life. You know, repentance is not something that you wake up one day, you say, I don't see nothing wrong with sin. And the next day you think there's something wrong with sin and you like Jesus. And then, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're, you know, going back and forth the rest of our lives wondering, you know, this good or bad, you know, it doesn't work like that. But it's almost like, like Jesus giving the impression that once you change your mind and you turn, right, in your life, you sustain that, 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 that perception of sin. And sure, listen, we're going to sin right? Just because you change your mind about sin doesn't mean that you're not, never going to sin ever again, right? We're going to sin in our journey with Christ, and we're going to confess that sin, and we're going to continue to journey. But we don't, we're not going back and forth, back and forth. Why? Because once you repent, right, you're supposed to sustain that and keep that mentality the rest of your life. So the question that I want to pose for you today is this, when you look at sin, has your mind changed about it? You know, have you come to a point in your life that what, the, what you thought was good at some point and perfectly fine and perfectly acceptable, has there been that moment in your life where things just clicked and said, no, 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 that is not fine. That is a sin before God. There has to come a point, right, if you want to enter into the kingdom of God, you change your mind about sin. So that's the first step. And so here's the second step. Write this down as big number two. Listen, to enter into the kingdom of God, all right, the second step is what? It's faith. It's faith. Now, Now let's go back to the text. Listen to what it says. It says, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. So repent, and what's the next word? Everyone, Christ Fellowship? A little louder, come on. Believe. Believe. So repent and believe in the gospel. Now, I think it's important to state at this point that even though Jesus says that there's two things to enter into the kingdom of God, right, repent and believe, we all know that the one thing that actually saves us, the one thing that actually enables us to be forgiven of our sins, have eternal life, is our faith and our faith alone, amen? Listen, salvation by faith and faith alone is a central teaching of God's truth, right? We're not saved by faith and good works. We're not saved by faith and a a moral life. We're not saved by faith and perhaps a tradition or a ritual you went with a little child. Listen, we are saved by faith and by faith alone. But the reason that I believe that Jesus mentions repentance and faith is because if there's no repentance, then most likely your faith is not genuine. See, think about this. It's impossible for you to say, man, I love the Lord. I trust Christ. I want to live for him. I want to give my life, but I, but I still love sin. But, I, but I'm okay with sin. You know, what Jesus says is sin. Oh, no, I don't agree with Christ. I think that's still perfectly fine, but I love the Lord. Listen, the Lord's saying, if you have not come to a point that you've changed your mind about sin, about this world, then most likely your faith in me is not even genuine. right if you still think sin in this world is perfectly okay then most likely your faith in Christ is not genuine and then conversely if you say that you've repented in your life that you've changed your mind but you don't put your trust in Christ most likely that is not repentance that's remorse so you see how it works and so, folks, listen, faith is a critical part. True, genuine faith is a critical part of you entering into the kingdom of God. So the question is, what is true, genuine faith? We'll write this down as letter A. True faith believes in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? In the life. Yeah, we can clap for that because that's exactly what we believe. Because notice, it says, repent and believe in what? In the gospel. See, it doesn't say just believe in a general God. You know, the truth is that there's many people in this world, a vast majority of the people on this planet believe that there's a God who exists. But not everyone believes in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Because true saving faith Believes first of all that Christ lived a perfect sinless life for us, right? He lived that perfect life, he never sinned, he never dishonored, anything. you know, he lived a perfect life. And true genuine faith also believes that he goes to the cross and on that cross he dies not for his sins, but whose sins? Our, Our sins. In fact, scripture says that God placed the, the sins of humanity in his blameless son. And he died for the sins of humanity. And then later on, we see he resurrects to new life. See, true genuine faith believes that he resurrects new life to overcome sin and death and give us, to give us a future and a hope. Listen, true saving faith believes in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But honestly, there's many people that this is the first barrier of them entering into the kingdom of God. Because fine, they believe, they believe that's perfectly fine that Jesus existed. They can acknowledge there was a man called Jesus who lived, they don't dispute that. But wait a second, when you talk about a man dying for my sins and then resurrecting to new life, I don't believe any of that. That's foolishness. See, that's the first barrier. They can't come to a point of intellectually believing, yes, Christ did all that for us. But you see, even if you believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, listen, there's another aspect to true saving faith. And here it is. Write this down letter B. True faith completely relies on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Completely relies on Jesus. It means that as you live your life, listen, you no, no longer rely on yourself. Those days are gone. You solely and completely rely on Christ the Lord. Amen? And so what that means is that when you are faced with a difficult decision in your life, and you're trying to figure out what to do, then true genuine faith does not rely on their own wisdom, on your own wisdom. True faith does not go to Google and try to figure out what everyone in the world is saying or what I should do. But true, genuine faith completely relies on the wisdom of Christ, amen? Amen. Solely on what he says. You know, when you're forming your family life, when you're forming your financial life, when you're forming your career life, listen, you don't go by the world's logic, you don't go to what seems acceptable in society, But rather, you shape your entire life based on who? Based on Christ, based on his truth. You know, when you go through those hard moments in life, when you lose a loved one, when you're struggling marriage, when you are lost a job, when you're having financial issues, when your business is not going the way you thought it would go, listen, you don't rely any longer on your own strength to get you through this. You rely on the strength, sustaining power... Of Christ to get you through those seasons and family when you think forward to the day after you die and you stand before God listen and God says why should I let you enter into my kingdom you're not gonna say true faith doesn't say because I lived a good life oh because of my moral life true faith doesn't say because oh I never harmed anyone Oh, because I did that ritual. Oh, because I did that tradition. Listen, true faith comes to a point that when their faith between the eternal God says, The reason, please, let me enter your kingdom because I fully trust on the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That is why I'm coming in because of what Christ has done for me. Amen? Listen, that is true reliance. You don't rely on yourself anymore, you fully rely on God. And, you know, I love that scripture says that for those of us who truly rely, who truly surrender, you know what he calls us? He calls us the children of God. Have you thought about that? Uh, He calls us his children. And I really believe that God has given us, okay, the privilege and the honor of being able to have children, to experience what children is, having children. Because the way that a little child depends on their parents is the way that we should depend on the Lord. You know, many of you know I have a little girl. Her name is Camila, right? She's turning two right there. That's Ashley and that's little Oliver right there. He always including in our pictures, right? But, you know, Camila is turning two, entering those terrible twos. She's already kind of throwing all those little tantrums. And even though she thinks maybe she can rely on herself, the reality is she's completely dependent on us. Folks, from the moment that she wakes up, she's already calling for us, right? She's relying on us to get her even out of the crib. She relies on us to change her. She relies on us to get her her blanket, her tete, right, her, her little Miss Piggy, her everything, right? She relies on us to get her milk and her breakfast. She likes to go outside, so she's repenting on us to get her her shoe. Give me my shoe, right? We gotta put our shoes on her. We take her outside. She's dependent on us to go down the slide for us, you know. So so in her entire little life, from the day from the moment she opens her eyes to the moment she goes to sleep, she is dependent on us. And family, what an image, right? Of how we should depend on the Lord. Listen, I don't care if you are a middle-age successful businessman, listen. The way that God has envisioned your walk with him is that you depend on him like a little child. Amen. Listen, that is what true saving faith is. Listen, you don't depend on yourself anymore. It's all dependent on Christ the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so even though reliance is an important aspect, there's still another aspect of true saving faith. In fact, write this down as let her see. True faith has love for Jesus. Amen has love for the the Lord. You know, there's many people that when you ask them, they may say, hey, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe that he lived, died, and resurrected. I believe all that. But when you look at their life, there's no love for God. If I could be honest, one of the ways that I try to determine whether someone has true saving faith, you know what's one of the main things I look for? Love for God. Does that person have love for God? Affection for God. Because in scripture, listen, love and faith, listen, they're closely tied together. In fact, listen to what it says in John chapter 16, verse 27. When we want to see the connection between love and faith. He says, for the Father himself loves you because you have what? Loved me. Right? You've loved Christ. you love loved Jesus. And have what? Believed. believed that I came from God. Notice loved and believed closely tied together. And then later on in 1 John, it says this, for everyone who what? Believes that Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God, and everyone who what? Loves the Father, loves whoever has been born of him. Again, believe and love, right? Believes and love. See, true faith has a deep affection for God. There's something about your Lord now, your Heavenly Father, that there's a love for God. In fact, your love for God is what differentiates your love even from, even demons. You know, the Bible says in James that even demons believe and shudder. Listen, demons believe that Jesus Christ lived, he died, and he resurrected. Hey, they know what he did. But not only do they not rely on God, they don't. Love the Lord. You see how it works? And when you love the Lord, you know what happens? Doesn't it motivates you to obedience? In fact, isn't what it says in 1 John chapter 5? It says this. It says, For this is the love of God. You want to know what loving God is all about? It's not putting stuff on social media. It's not wearing a t-shirt. Loving God is not coming to church, for this is the love of God. That what? That we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for, who, for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. See, the greatest motivator for obedience is love for the Lord. In fact, going back to this, right? If you come to a point, right, after you repented and you put your trust in Christ and now you're walking with the Lord, before you came to know Christ, right, before you started your walk with Christ, have you noticed that the things that God commands and says in Scripture, before you were like, there's no way I could do that. There's no way I want to do that. Why would I want to do that? But something happens and the moment you repent and you believe those commandments, like scripture says, are not burdensome anymore. You, you want to do that, right? You love the Lord. You love Christ. So you're going to want to obey the Lord and walk away from him. And so the question is, listen, if in your life you are still resisting and you don't want to obey God and you don't even see the eye to eye with the Lord about something, whether it's any topic in your life, the question is, do you love the Lord? Because when you love God, all those commandments, all those things, all of the God's will for your life—they're no longer burdensome, Amen. There's something you want to do, right? You want to—you want to obey the Lord. It's—it's it's what He's called you to do. It's to recap, right? That two-step process is what: repent and believe, right? But then the question says, "Okay, Omar. So I get it. Repent and believe. Simple two-step process. But Omar, how does come someone come to a point in their life?" Where they repent and believe. You know, think about your own life. Think about that season in your life where you repented and you, how does, how does that happen? Well, write this down as big number three. Repentance and faith are both gifts of God. They're gifts of God. See, here's what I want us to understand, that even though God commands us to repent and believe, Scripture is also very clear that what he commands us to do, he enables us to do it. That everything that God commands, listen, everything that we do is because God enables us and he gives us the ability and the gift to be able to do that, amen? In fact, listen to what God's word says about just the concept of repentance. Listen to what it says. It says, and when they heard these things about, um, about Gentile people coming to know Christ, they felt silent. And they glorify God, saying, then to the Gentiles also, God has what? Oh, yeah, a little louder than that. Come on. Grant Granted repentance. On, Granted repentance yeah. that leads to life. And then Paul then reminds us in 2 in Timothy that as we share the gospel, that we need to keep in mind and pray that God may perhaps what? Grant, Grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. In other words, God is the one, right, who ultimately grants us the ability to change our mind about sin. And then listen to what it says about faith in a passage we all know. For by grace you have been saved through what? faith and note listen carefully now don't miss this and this faith is not of your own doing but it is the what it is the gift of god so many people just glance over that verse they don't realize that the gift of god is the faith that saves them not a result of works so that no one may boast see folks even our faith in the lord is a gift of god So what does that mean? Listen carefully. If you are someone here today watching right now online, maybe watching one of our campuses, wherever you're watching from, and you are someone that has already experienced repentance and you've put your faith in Christ, I don't know what you're going through right now. Maybe perhaps, again, it's a struggling marriage, family issue, uh, unemployment, Issues, You know, I don't know what's happening in your life. Maybe you've lost someone that you love. Even though you're going through a hard moment in your life, I pray that these truths bring you comfort. That God in his mercy, that God through his grace has granted you repentance and faith. And that because he has shown grace to you, that he intervened in your life, now you're going to spend an eternity with Christ. So I don't know what's happening in your life right now, but I pray that you treasure the fact right now that you cherish the fact that God has shown you grace and has drawn you near to you. And maybe perhaps you're here today and... You don't think you've come to a point of repentance and faith yet. You're just here visiting, right? You just want to know more about the Lord and, you know, someone invited you. You're tuning in right now. Listen, if that's you, do not minimize this moment in your life. Because the reason you're watching, the reason you're here, the reason you came to one of our campuses is because God is beginning to work in your life. And so listen, if that's where you're at, listen, if you're saying, man, I want to know more about God. I'm feeling convicted about certain things in my life. Listen, this is a good moment in your life because God is beginning to work in your life to draw you closer to Him. And you may be saying, Omar, listen, I, I've been here for a while now, and I, or today's my first day. And You say, I, I don't know much about anything, but I do know I need a relationship with Christ. I, I need to start this journey with the Lord. We'll listen. If that's you, in a few moments I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And when I lead you through His prayer, it's not a special poem or something that we do here. It's simply me just helping you talk to God for the first time. Have that conversation where you say, Lord, I'm changing my mind about sin. I'm putting my trust in you. And the Bible says that when you come to God in faith, when you come to him, he forgives you of all of your sins. He gives you a brand new life, eternal life. He adopts you as a son and daughter. And for the rest of your life, listen, you will spend eternity in our loving relationship with your Heavenly Father. Amen, family? Amen. And so if that's you, at all campuses right now, let's bow our heads for prayer. If you're watching online, bow your heads right now. Close your eyes and just pray this with me. And you pray this not to me. I cannot do anything for you. You pray this to the Lord who loves you. Pray this with me. Father, today I realize that everything about this world, it has nothing good to offer me. And so many of the things that I thought were good were actually sin. So i come before you, O Lord. I repent, I change my mind, and I put my trust in you, O Lord. Father, forgive me of my sins, give me everlasting life, and for the rest of my life, Lord, help me to live a life that honors you. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today. It's in Jesus my prayer and all of God's people say amen. amen. Hey, can we give it up for the Lord to, to those of us who came to pray that prayer at all campuses online? So your campus pastor will give you now some more information about what to do next. I want to encourage you, make sure you fill out those forms, get all set up so that we can help you now start this new journey with Christ, okay? So I'm going to call all campus pastors come to the front of all campuses, Christ Fellowship. I love you all. Be back next week for our final week of Kingdom Come, all right? love you all.